Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, uh, we've got a great guest. It's our second director on the show, uh, so I'm very honoured. So if you haven't been under under a rock, you would notice that just recently, in the last two days, we've had a wonderful movie released on DVD and Blu-ray. It's, of course, Skylines, and we've got the director, writer and producer with us, Liam O'Donnell. Liam, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Brian. Excited to be here. So you are you are the second director I've ever had. Uh, the first being Colin Chilvers, the Oscar-winning director of Moonwalker and Smooth Criminal, and and he's worked oh, wow. on Superman. Uh, he's, he's a special effects director as well. Uh, so he's he's uh, absolutely won- wonderful. But I'm I'm very honoured to have you on the show because I've been a fan of your work since 2010. And I've got to say, your final instalment, well, hopefully it's not final instalment, um, but, you know, who knows? We can talk about that. Uh, you've got, obviously, Skylines, the third instalment of the Skyline franchise. Um, so before we start talking about Skyline, how has the pandemic affected you as a director in actually getting work done? Well, uh, we were, we were, well, thank you for, for all that, first of all. And um, yeah, we, we were really fortunate timing wise. I mean, we shot this in the summer of 2019. Uh, we edited it all fall and we kind of had our first screening in Soho um, right around Christmas 2019. And then I went, uh, we edited a little bit more and then we went back to Soho. We had to like lock the cuts. And so, yeah, we did like right at the end of February, I got a, a plane back to uh, LA and, and everything shut down right after that. So fortunately that was when we were going to be doing a lot of visual effects remotely. You know, I was, the plan was for me to fly back and forth a few more times, but uh, we were able to kind of do everything um, on Zoom or uh, CineSync and uh, Frame.io was a, a really valuable tool, which is kind of like a big cloud-based um, server that you can make notes on every single frame of every single shot. Uh, and everybody could see it. You can tag anyone that needs to be, you know, informed on it. So that that was actually, you know, I'd, I'd use that um, for every movie going forward anyway. Uh, but that was a, a really great, um, a really great tool to have on this one that, that I didn't before. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think from the movie, we got pretty lucky, but there's still some things that like, even with incredibly unsatisfying, <laughs> I find myself still just like uh, feeling like, did this movie even come out? You know, you 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 just not being able to see it with uh, with an audience and 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 go to the film festivals. You know, we premiered at Fright Fest, which was all digital, um, and then you know we did a bunch of other great festivals around the world. But for Beyond, I I I tried to go to as many of them as I could afford to go to. Uh, and it was uh, it was such a rewarding experience, and I met a lot of people, and you know that's kind of what you're you're in the game to do. You know, you're you're kind of uh, kind of continuing trying to build relationships to you know make more movies in the future. So yeah, that, it, I mean it's it feels like a very small complaint, all things considered, but you know it definitely um, was a different experience this time for sure. Awesome. So let's get to know you a bit more, Liam. Uh, let's uh, before we uh, get to the meat and uh, the bones of everything. Uh, when growing up, uh, I'm not sure how old old you are, but when growing up, what were the films that really blew your socks off? That really, really wowed you. Well, I, I'm 38, so uh, I'll be 39 in a few months. Um, but the the first like R-rated. Um, editor and I actually kind of manipulated this situation with uh, I, I knew a friend who like had it and his parents let him watch R-rated movies and so I like 
just begged to sleep over this kid's house. And, and then like, he was like, fine, we'll watch predator. And uh, so that really kind of blew me away. And it was the one that, uh, that I kept going back to and, and returning to, uh, you know, over my life. And then lucky enough, the first movie that I got to work on was a uh, alien versus predator two back in uh, 2006. So it's kind of had this weird, you know, thread throughout my life. Um, but then, you know, similar in, in vibes would be, um, you know, the, the, the aliens, uh, alien franchise, aliens particular. Um, the first one of those I got to see in the theater was Resurrection. Um, I'm trying, and, and, and really, I think, you know, the one that I remember just kind of like blowing the doors open with my parents, no longer trying to stop me from seeing R-rated movies was Terminator 2. It was like, they just couldn't they couldn't hold it back anymore after that um <laughs> you know i got i i got my neighbor to rent it for me cuz i was only 10 at the time and then i got him to st- like do the copy on the vhs to vhs recording uh, oh, before I, days. before i brought the recording back so i so i had like a vhs uh duplicate of t2 that i watched all the time and and that was also i think the the big gateway into like visual effects and, 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 you know, thinking about these things, uh, um, you know, and just kind of getting obsessed about how they're done. Um, so yeah, that, th- th- those, those is, uh, are kind of like the, 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 tr- the Trinity for me, uh, as a, as a young kid, for sure. Do you know what? I can remember those days of getting the two VHS players and, uh, I copied uh, a copy of Critters, um back in the day and um it obviously you know the problem is now is that we got we've got too many torrents and too many sites mm-hmm. that you can illegally you know watch things which i've always been against because you know you've got to support the arts you've got to support you know a production you know a film and and you've got to buy it and my wife gets sick and tired of me buying blu-rays and dvds and 4ks every time there's a different edition of that movie but you do it because you support that franchise um and and you put money back into the uh industry so um absolutely what what kind of director are you so if i went on one of your sets and i took one of the actors aside you know how would they describe you as a director on, on how you approach, you know, a set? Um, well, from from the, their interviews, I thought like the, the number one thing they seemed to all say was that uh, really, really open and uh, collaborative. And I think that was something I kind of learned early on was not to say um, no and like shut things down, um, mm. which I think is kind of your first instinct. They're like, no, 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 yeah. this is how we're doing it. And it really kind of, um, you, know, you just have to think about it from the other person's point of view. It's like, you've hired me to be this character. So I kind of, um, you know, we don't get a lot of time to do rehearsals and, and prep and, uh, in, in these kind of indie uh, low-budget movies that you're, you're, the schedule is constantly the enemy. So uh, I really like to give everybody like the first couple takes and um, let them kind of feel it out. And then I get in there and, and kind of try to steer things to where I want them. But it, it also helps you get surprised and, and inspired in the moment. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of I'd say um, it was that that was a learning process on the second one. And then in, in the third, it was uh, it was such a good feeling, um, really, you know, it, from around the first week on to just kind of being like, kind of no, feel like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> because, uh, like, like, like seeing problems and then in real time fixing them. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just the camera. It's the camera is hurting your performance right here because we're not moving at the right spot. And um, this is stacking here and that's stacking there. So, uh, I learned a lot of, of blocking stuff from my DP on Beyond Skyline, um, Christopher Probst. And in, uh, in this one, my DP was Alain Duplantier, he's a French DP. And he was very much um, kind of hands-off on the blocking. So it was interesting, like, um, he he would kind of let me get in there and do all the blocking. And uh, and and so it was sort of a, 
a good thing because like having a DP who was really good at camera blocking on the first time and then kind of having to do more of it myself, exercising those different muscles, uh, I think it just made, made me better, made me thinking more about things like in 3D uh, in the frame. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, the, the, all those different, every time you make a movie, it's like going to film school and you're kind of, um, my goal every time is to hire much smarter, talented uh, people than me. And so that I can, you know, hopefully continue to get better. Yeah. And I've always heard that the art of being a good director is surrounding yourself with amazing people. Um, yes. I mean, I mean, what's your view, um, just very quickly, on the whole Zack Snyder and the Whedon thing, you know, with the Just Justice League? Uh, or or wouldn't you want to say, because I've got to say from a director's point of view, obviously Whedon came in uh, for the Justice League and did his own version uh, and, and Zack's come back now with the help of HBO Max and $70 million, just a few, a few dollars uh, to, you know, put it into his own vision. I mean, what's your view on, you know, how directors should treat you know, people on set, because obviously there are, oh. you know, speculation of how he's been treating people. Um, nothing's yes. yet been confirmed. Uh, but what's right. your view on how you should be treating um, your I I, I love um, I love the way things are changing. Um, I really, you know, when I came up, it was a much more militaristic, um, abusive, like, kind of vibe in general. Um, and that was sort of came from the generation before the generation ahead of me. Um, mm. You know, and I, and I, and, and James Cameron's been pretty honest about this, about how he evolved, you know, over his career. But uh, a lot of people like looked up to that style. Uh, and I, I never, I never liked it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had to suffer, you know, take my licks. Uh, I suppose one of the first days I was ever on set, uh, I was just a writer on this job and I was told to go look through the camera lens. And then the person said, do you see any words in there? And I said, no. And they said, get the fuck out of here. And I was wow. like, oh, wow. <laughs> cool. Wow. Awesome. And it was, uh, you know, it was a joke, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just like, yeah, OK, cool. Um, so I, I I've kind of noticed that. Um, to me, I felt like a lot of that sea change was kind of happening over the past ten years in 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 a, in a great way. And so, yeah, no, I've never, I'm not, I, I'm not really the a, a tantrum thrower um, uh, in, in general. But uh, I, I just generally hate asshole and abusive behavior, uh, and I'm so happy that it, it's kind of uh, you know on its way out. Um, yeah. But yeah, this definite this this uh, part three was like a really really fun uh group of people and we kept the mood uh quite light um even though it could be really intense and very emotional you know you always have to kind of respect the fact that the actors have to go into this r agitated sp space for a lot of an action movie so that some mm. of that is is part and parcel you're always going to have uh, a little bit of, of 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 your kind of bringing people in and out of two realities throughout a day which is like for us, either behind the camera or on the crew, we're just ourselves all day. But they have to go from like, my life is in danger to let's get lunch. So there, mm. there's always that type of stuff. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 without like speaking on anything that I don't know anything about, yeah. I am very quite uh, I, I encouraged by um, the, the, the Snyder thing. And, and uh, you know, just as a parent, that, that whole story is incredibly heartbreaking. And Definitely. I'm also really just like, amazed at how many children he has because um i just had my fourth and it's generally people just look at me like i'm absolutely insane so when i was reading about you know how big and and kind of cool his family life was it it, it uh it, it made me feel like oh maybe i'm not <laughs> so so out there after all <laughs> but um but yeah no I, i'm looking forward to it unfortunately the only downside for me is that um skylines is uh i think coming to 
uh, the Netflix the exact same day as Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. So I don't think we'll be like uh, oh, <laughs> we'll be making no. much of a dent uh, uh, in the uh, in the social media sphere that weekend. But you know, it's a long wow. game. The nice thing about uh, being on those streamers, like, uh, you know, Beyond's been on there since 2018. Um, and it's like you just see people discovering it every single day. Um, yeah. That's what's so so great about um, being on Netflix. So let's look at how this all started. So back in 2010, you co-wrote Skyline. Skyline, for me, I thought was an awesome movie. And, and after reading up about it and, like, the budget and everything like that, it just blew me away. Um, some might see it as a survival guide to an alien invasion um, <laughs> because it's one of those films that you're, you're, like, shouting at the screen because, you know, you know that some of the characters are, are doing the wrong things. And, and I just think it's fantastic. But the most interesting fact about that film is that, you know, how quick it went from you writing it, co-writing co, co it, to coming to our screens. If you can explain just very brief, briefly on how that happened for you on it being on our screens? Um, yeah, the, the speed was, was crazy. Um, we kind of came up with this idea, I want to say in October of 2009. And it was such a simple idea because um, the co-director, Greg Strauss, had just bought this condo. And so you go up in, from the condo and you look out on the city and you see this view and you're like, okay, well, you know, paranormal activity had just come out. I think Cloverfield was the year before. So we're like, let's do like a, like a, a, an end of the world movie, but we're going to film it in our year apartment. Um, but not with the, that sort of, um, you know, found footage shaking him. We'll just, we'll do it cinematically. But you know, the, some of the, the hardest thing is, is sometimes getting a location, getting a stage, getting something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was just interesting things to look at kind of, um, uh, all around this building. And so uh, that kind of all came quick and we were able to shoot a teaser uh, for it. Like I think around Thanksgiving, 2009 and the teaser came out really, really cool. It was much more mysterious. Like you didn't see ships or anything. You just kind of saw people looking out the window, close encounters, sort of style lights, veins, and then poof, they disappear. So um, that kind of, hooked some people um and and we got some financing and because we could shoot it you know the the actual shooting budget was so low because it's we we got a great deal on this building it, it was like just go ahead and make it um you know the the risk was so low that it, it didn't kind of make sense <coughs> to like need to ask anyone else any more permission um so you know we we went ahead and we shot it i think um january February, I think we finished in March. It was a 40 day shoot in those apartments. And, you know, we, because you have hydraulics, they did a bunch of pre-vis and post-vis. And so we screened like the last 10 minutes for um, relativity in, in April. And they, they were like, great. We love it. They bought it. Um, they, they started building this whole Comic-Con campaign. Um, you ended up, you know, co-distributing it with Universal and we're all like, okay, great. But then they said, like, we have some bad news. Like, the only, like, the best slot for you guys is November. And we were kind of hoping it was either going to be like Christmas or even the next year. And they're like, no, it, you know, it, can you make it? And everyone was already kind of grinded to dust. And we had, I think, two other movies in the, the, the studio at that point. But it was a great release date, you know, to be in that sort of like 2012. November, mid-November kind of uh, Thanksgiving style thing was like, you couldn't really turn it down. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of, uh, they, they kicked in a little bit of extra money for the VFX over time. And, uh, <laughs> and it ended up coming out the, yeah, that November. But no, it, it, it was such a good movie. And I was quite shocked to hear that the critics obviously didn't have their coffee that morning when they saw it. Um, <laughs> So, as a co-writer uh, on, uh -huh. on, on, on your baby, as I'd call it, how did that make you feel with the critics? Because, you know... I, the it, critics was, was tough, but it was... To be honest, it was more the audience that didn't like it that, that was concerning to me. Um, and I, I felt like part of it 
was we didn't really test the movie and do a test screening and and then part of it was it was being advertised as like this you know independence day actioner and not kind of properly positioned it was a little bit like how i was saying how the teaser was mm. very mysterious it was veins and eyes and whoosh but like you know they just went full it was supposed to kind of be like a small movie that got surprisingly big but when you advertise it as this big movie that's then surprisingly small it's not what people are going to feel like they they signed up for um but i don't know if that possibly could have been avoided or not it's just basically basically like you know it was a perfect sort of midnight movie that got overblown into a wide release but at the same time if it weren't there's there's no way it would have made all this money and we'd be making a part three 10 years later. So kind of exactly. like it just, it, 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 it all kind of worked out for the best, but at the time, definitely painful. And, um, you know, just kind of like, this was early Twitter, but I do remember yeah. just like searching Twitter and being like, worst movie ever, worst movie ever, worst movie ever. And just kind of like sinking into a hole. It wasn't great. But, but the thing is, <laughs> no matter what, what movie, is out there's always going to be people that go out their way to complain about it or or critique it and and from my point of view you know the effects were amazing the storyline was amazing you know the end twist you know where you know he's in the creature i i, I just think it's just fan fantastic and it, it obviously was that springboard for this trilogy maybe more in in the future but in, in 2017 we see you see uh beyond skyline uh with good old frank grillo uh and it's your am i right in saying it's your direct directoral directional directorial, directorial debut. debut that's the one day <laughs> god you can tell i've had a, a long day uh was that your debut as a director on that yes. mo 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 movie and and how much pressure did you feel having written that as well and being the director and having all those hats on and it being your first movie and going from skyline you know were you drinking coffee like all day? Were you stressing out all the time? Were you, <laughs> you know, I, how, I, how did yeah. it go for you? Yeah, it was, it, it was a lot of pressure. Um, but it, it's one of those weird things where you, you look back and you're like, I, I, why, why was I not more nervous? Um, there's always these things that can like derail the production and completely destroy them. And, and I've talked to friends. I have a friend who, who had a movie that like the plug got pulled the day before it went. So you're, I, you're, you're always more worried about that. Like I'm wor worried about the movie, like not existing, <laughs> you know, like, like on part three, it's like, you know, the bond, like if we got behind schedule, like even the smallest amount I had, the, the, the bond is going to come in and, and, and yank this movie. So I was just constantly trying to get ahead of schedule. So I guess there's like that number one pressure of like, just getting it done that day in each day at a time that you it it's you don't really have time to sit back and look at the overall like oh my god what am i doing um of it because yeah. there's so many things that like you just have to do incrementally um but yeah i was really uh nervous to say especially that the, we, we were filming the 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 fight scene between Frank Grillo and Eco Wise. That was the first two days of the movie. And um, it was like an hour away from the hotel up in this crazy um, rice paddy in um, outside of Joja, Indonesia. And the our, our, my bus got like lost for like an hour. So it was like the first day <laughs> of like already late to set for an hour. Um, and then, you know, we're filming them kind of walking out and they have this standoff scene and it's four actors and a crying baby. It's a lot mm -hmm. of like angles, a lot of coverage, and I'm overshooting it. I'm doing too many takes, too many angles, just very, very nervous. And then all of a sudden the rain comes down and it just rains, just rains for an hour. And it just allowed me to kind of sit there and just like let it out and breathe and be like, okay, like I, there's only so much of this I can control. And now we're really behind schedule. So I'm going to like, let's turn the camera around and let's start this fight. Cause we, you know, we couldn't shoot that direction anymore cause it looks so different. So then yeah. we just started the fight and we're just kind of like, 
and and they had been rehearsing the fight for like a week and a half, two weeks. So that was a lot of fun for everybody. And, you know, it's all turned to mud at that point because it just rained for an hour straight. And it was like, Frank, can you can you throw Eco right into this puddle here? And like he and Eco, of course, launches himself. Frank throws him up and it just splashed right dead center of this big puddle. And all the water went up. And, and that's the take that's in the movie. And I, that was like my like, OK, all right, we're back on. Like, this is going to be great. This is going to work. It was a real it was probably like, uh, you know, my the, the best moment of the whole movie, to be honest, because I just felt like, yeah. you know, it, we're back on track and I, I, I kind of can I can I, I can shape this. And my whole life of video games and pro wrestling and movies is all paying off right in this moment. <laughs> so it was it was uh, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. That is awesome. And I suppose pe people forget that when you film on location, you have got the weather to deal with and you've picked you know such a, a, a you know an unstable weather system where you filmed because obviously it will rain for an hour sunshine rain again um but let's talk about skylines uh and the mm -hmm. first thing i want to talk about is let's talk casting because there's there's a lot of brits and a lot of people from the united kingdom in the movie was that on purpose or is that because they were the best ones well, the, of course, they're the best ones, but um, it was definitely <laughs> part of um, of getting the movie made um, was uh, we figured out, you know, if we could make a, a UK co-production, um, then we could actually get this thing off the ground. Uh, and so what was written originally, uh, I because the films have sort of a Los Angeles through line, we changed it to post-apocalyptic London. And it's one of those things that like, you know, along the way it, you know, you might be like, oh, this is a compromise, but I really think it made it way better because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we then kind of were able to just do something a little bit more unexpected. And you have all these great actors that totally fit within the world, like Alexander Siddig, James Cosmo, Rona Mitra, all of them kind of like grounding the movie especially in that first act with rose um and i i was telling Lindsay that i was like this is like such a great place for you as like a first time lead that you are basically you know getting supported by these amazing you know british genre actors from you know game of thrones and doomsday like yeah. you you they're they're putting you over in pro wrestling terms i was like they're they're really kind of like and, and 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 you know it's almost like all the i always think think back like all the smart smart guys that like tom cruise like he did all of his movies with like paul newman and dustin yeah. hoffman when he was starting out like go yeah. go with these great older actors and they're gonna bring up your game um so yeah that was that was a real uh a luxury um and i and i think it it, it definitely helps kind of give the movie it's a completely different feel from the other ones and uh and and ground a lot of my um sci-fi gobbledygook world building in that especially in that first act <laughs> and and who throughout the casting process really you know you know made you take a step back who who in that 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 process really impressed you that you wouldn't have thought would have was well, definitely jonathan howard um because leon was tough role a couple of different actors that were on and scheduling difficulties mm -hmm. and i had seen jonathan in in the thor films but he was so different because he was so much younger mm -hmm. and he's uh he's definitely you know an older you know more assured uh dude now and but i, I he wasn't kind of on my radar and I, i'm friendly with his agent um he's the same agent as daniel bernhardt so when we had this uh kind of last minute change uh, he, you know, really suggested Jonathan to us. And uh, when I got on a Skype with him is when I was like, okay, I really connected. And uh, I kind of felt like he had this sort of young Christian Bale energy. Uh, he's got the great Northern accent. And I was like, just go full, go full on on that accent. He never gets to really use it. It's always um, an American accent or kind of something mm -hmm. a little more uh, toned down. But uh, I liked every everyone in the movie to just kind of um, really do uh, their own accent. That was something um, that I also did on Beyond with with Eco and Yayan, just to have them kind of.
be themselves uh, as much as possible. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say Jonathan and, 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 and he's kind of become a really close friend and, and collaborator. And uh, he, I, again, being like uh, a real good team player, very, very generous with Lindsay um, because they were the co-leads, you know, it's, it's definitely roses, the lead of the movie, but um, Leon has this really nice and important arc that kind of really does embody the theme of the film. So, um, they, and, and they got along great as well. So, so that was a, that was another kind of big win for us. Yeah. It's awesome casting. And it's really refreshing to hear you say that you wanted them to keep their accents because the worst thing you can get is an actor and you know, they're British and you think, why are they doing an American accent when they don't need to, you know, it's not pinnacle to the story. Um, oh, so especially it's really in nice this is to... like a post-apocalyptic, like, like Daniel Bernhardt's Swiss. So I was like, yeah, just mm. do your Swiss accent. And, and, and certain people will be like, what is that accent? I was like, well, you're going to learn new things. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that movies have taught you that there's only two accents, <laughs> but like, you know, it's he is so scary exposure. in the movie. He really is. <laughs> Do you know what? I would not want to pick a fight with him. He would just look no. at you and game, game over. And it's really nice because on your Instagram, there are videos of him, you know, messing about. And he just seems like a big, big puppy dog. Uh, but is, I suppose yeah. when the camera's rolling... <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, a Terminator. <laughs> he, he does look like a Terminator. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, he's like 6'3", and it's just insane, like all muscle. And, you know, I don't know uh, what uh, type of uh, vampire juice is incredible. And uh, I tried to, like, uh, hang with him in the gym a few times. And uh, he's he's just a lot stronger than I am. And, you're, uh, you're 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 like I need to go to the toilet. I'll be back in a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ten he, minutes later. Yeah. He's a really uh, yeah. A, a, he's a specimen. But he was also great because he had had history with our stunt team, uh, Real Deal Stunts, out of Berlin, and so they they've been working together for years. Um, and so he was sort of like this in between between the stunts and the actors. Um, yeah. And so when we had another kind of last minute change, we had another last minute actor that couldn't make it. And uh, one of our stunt players, Cha uh, ended up being cast as Z. Um, Daniel really like looked out for him and spent time with him, like every night working on his lines and his delivery and uh and it was it was a really lecherous team of people that wanted everybody to succeed so that was uh that was a nice thing to see that fight sequence in uh between them two is just amazing yeah it really yeah. really is it was just so well shot and you're on the ed ed edge of your seat and uh it was just awesome but because obviously you're based now well not you but the film is based in space um obviously that is going to mean a lot more special effects what challenge challenges did that create opposed to the other films it's actually less than beyond um right. special effects wise because um, it, it was a lot of the lessons from beyond skyline was um you know i did i never wanted to shoot as much green screen as we ended up having to do um but we we couldn't make this set safe in um indonesia and to to actually fly in the rock and roll truss for all of the stunts and wire gags that we were going to ship would have been just uh totally you know too expensive so we ended up having to shoot it in la on green screen and that sort of exploded our post budget and uh and and and, and gave us way too many vfx shots which contributed to that movie having such a long post was the, the, the other thing, like just as Beyond in general, was like it was like making three movies in one because it was like three different locations, mm. um, and I kind of had to make it like three times in post. Uh, it was just it was like so coming into Skylines, it was like all right, I, I had this inkling on how I wanted to do the last one, and I was proven right by the process. I'm going to do it this way, uh, full bore, and I'm even going to go a little bit farther in building the sets and try to always at least have like three walled sets and keep the green screen on one side so that I can still give like an expansive CG space when I need to, you know, I can show like this big, huge yeah. cavern 
or like the inside of the matriarch's layer or the, the moving wall for the end set piece, but get most of the action in frame so that we're not doing like, the, there's nothing worse than doing like ticky tack visual effects where you're like, mm. kind of like it's someone talking and you, there's just like this strip of green over their shoulder. And you have to do that. Like <laughs> the fact that you have to spend all this money just for like a reaction shot really starts to, um, th those are what kill your budget. And I still mm. had more of those than I would have liked in this one, but I'm getting better and better. So yeah, I think like beyond was like 1700 VFX shots and this was just under 1200. So um, mm. we, we did get better at it, but the biggest challenge is, is space in general. It's, it's incredibly difficult um time consuming and you know we we kind of we knew we had to come up with our own sort of stylized look uh, mm -hmm. because we're never going to be able to get that like ilm star wars look so we kind of went with a little bit more of like a graphic novelly um sort of heightened look to our space uh which i which i ended up being really really happy with but even finding that like doing our opening narration space battle um took the longest part of the whole movie because that was a lot of r d on what the other space scenes were going to look like mm -hmm. um and and kind of we're we were jumping off of what we did in beyond skyline but it was a completely different new visual effects facility uh again because we're a uk co-production lip sync uh vfx out of out of soho did they were our main vendor that did all of the space um the destroyed planet all the kind of big huge 3d uh animated shots creature shots everything with the the shadows and the tankers and spaceships uh was all them so it was definitely me um because greg and colin are such uh strauss who did the first movie and you know produced the sequels are such you know uh visual <laughs> effects experts um but because i was kind of off on my own on this third one um in the uk I, I kind of had to step up into into that different role and uh, and 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 be the one who's like really kind of interfacing with uh, with everybody at lip sync, and then we also had companies, you know, in in Germany and around the world. So, yeah, it's a it's a definite challenge, but um, I, I enjoyed it. And where do we see the franchise going? Because not to spoil it for anyone, but there could be more easily. I've got my ideas, um, but could could the franchise potentially go into a series? I mean, would you want that, or would you just want to stick with films? Um, would you not want to maybe go into a series? You know, we've maybe. talked about both. Um, it's it's really kind of like uh, I, I'm definitely open to it. I like the film. I'd like to do one more film. Um, and and then we'll see because i feel like the the part four that i have in mind if it if it were so lucky to make it could could have a part of it that that you could kick off into the to a series um awesome but each time i'm like kind of trying to end it in the movie so like even if there's a part four it's like this part three was like it was very much an ending and then there's just these nagging ideas of what that little extra tease could be. And yeah. um, we shot kind of two versions of the ending. Um, and it just kind of like, it, it, you know, I always try to leave everything out there on the field, not try to just be like, here's a bit, but the real movie is going to start on the next mm. one. Um, so I really, as much as I possibly can, but I found, you know, the first cut of Beyond Skyline, we didn't do a, a teaser mm. for what another one could be as a bit of a reaction to the first movie that had this big tease and people didn't like it. I just said, well, you know, F it part beyond we're going to, you know, we're, we're just going to have them walk off into the sunset at the end. And um, when we got the test screening back, everyone's like that it's a sequel. What's part three. And I was like, okay, so there, there's a, there's a balance, obviously we went too far on either one. So that that's what ended up um, being the inspiration for the, the uh, Lindsay Morgan bookends on beyond skyline, which then, you know, end up being the inspiration for part three. Um, so in part three, it just felt like it, it was coming more from the character where I felt like, um, you know, Rose had kind of completed everything that we had in this movie where she kind of come into her own. Um, she, she 
she dealt with self uh, and she kind of slayed those demons but mm. there's this part of her that was unresolved and uh and so that that's what the um you know a part four would deal with and and, and it's it's really interesting because uh the other three movies like uh the what the two sequels i've made they're not really sequels you know beyond mm. skyline's a bit of a soft reboot that is a sequel at the same time but it's not just yeah. like here's what we did in part one we're right into part two and then part three it's again not really the sequel it's a sequel in in spirit but it goes so far ahead and it's very self-contained so yeah. what i've been struggling with in part four is that it is kind of my first real sequel where like you just have to know who these characters are you kind of have to have been invested in this thing um that I, there's only so self-contained that i can make it um yeah. you know without without you kind of understanding who these people are and how they relate to each other but so that's been a a, a fun challenge in its own right but uh, i've i've made headway on the script and um you know we'll see what happens with it and the great thing is and the refreshing thing is is that many sequels and and franchises get worse as they go on but with Skyline, they're getting better and better and better. Um, Rocky comes to mind, you know. It gets better, I, I, I think, you know, Ivan Drago. And then it goes to five with Tommy Gunn, which is a bit... Mm, and then, yeah. So what's nice is that Skyline I, I, is actually I like getting six. better. I like Balboa. And then I, I love Creed. I think Creed is right up there with the best of them. So Yeah, I think I think they, they obviously realise, I mean, Balboa was like the closure I think after five, yeah. they sort of it, it didn't it wasn't received very well, and I think Balboa. I remember I watched it in a cinema. I was the only 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 one in there, and um, I thought it was me was too. Abs absolutely amazing. I really did. Um, <laughs> I caught it like but, by myself at the end of its run, and I was like bawling by myself in yeah. the theater because <laughs> you're like this is like thirty years of my life. And, you know, there's it not is. many. Yeah. There's not many experiences that you can have like that where you have, you know, so yeah. much of your your whole life is uh is tied to a character, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so talking about your films and and the amazing costumes and props and everything. I've got to give a shout out to Jeremy Fitzgerald because oh. um you know, only because I am, um, you know, we we watch these movies <laughs> as, as 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 fans. And we don't realise, you know, everything that goes off behind the camera. And I think that, that stunt pe people especially get underappreciated by people at like the Oscars. Um, and a lot of fans don't realise who's going through all that hard work of of in the suits and everything like, like that. I know there's other people that wore the suits. And, and if, if I'm right, on one of your Instagrams, there was a picture of you in a suit as well. That's right. And... Um, and can yeah. and can I guess which scene you was in that suit? Yes. Uh, was it um, when someone was shorter when he got a new body? Oh no, no 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 no! I, I didn't do oh. I didn't do any suit work in um I didn't do any suit work in Skylines. So okay, uh, the, the 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 shorter Trent is actually just Jeremy um, without the suit on. So he was okay. just in a leotard, and that was a fully right. CG uh, overlay that we did yeah. in post. Um, but now in Beyond Skyline, the only reason why I, I really did suit work was Hydraulics had its own um, stage and studio, and, and we had to be editing things and, and trying to condense stuff, and we'd be like, ah, oh, you know, didn't really get a great shot of the alien coming through this door and looking up at them uh, when, when, when kind of Frank and, and uh, Jeremy was playing Jared at that point uh, are, are, are up fiddling with the ship. And then the bad guy comes back in and sees them up there uh, in, in part two, we didn't get a great shot of him. Um, and so there was the idea that it was just going to be CG and we're like, well, let's go film something and see if we can, even if it, even if it sucks, like it's a basis to give the artist. And, uh, you know, so we would have like no crew, no budget. It would just be me and like three of the guys and I was the right size. And also it's hard to sometimes, um, direct people on how to do suit work when you can just like it, do it yourself. It's, it's easier. Um, and so like Jeremy is better than I could ever be, but 
I just felt like I, I know exactly what I want him to do. So I'm just going to do it. And so there's little pickups like that where he like puts on the power claw and goes like this and runs up towards them. I, I did that. And then also I did the other side of that shot. There's a POV up and the POV is supposed to be a Frank holding the baby. And I just got in Frank's wardrobe and cause it was a POV <laughs> where we could mess his face up. And I grabbed uh, Colin Strauss's then baby, you know, his wife was, was, uh, was nice enough to to bring their their child to uh, the stage, and so it's me looking at me for these like two POV things that you'd never know, <laughs> but it was just like certain things where, you know, when you're filming on green and you're kind of trying to relate things in this big space, that was uh, harder than any uh, of those little connective things on on part three. But it was also part of that doing those little pickups were part of the experience that then went into shooting part three more kind of like holistically and and no i need um you know we we reshot antonio fargus when he got stabbed by that shepherd uh we wanted to reshoot that so that he had a bit of a more badass moment before he went out uh which antonio kind of adds bitch to any line of dialogue you give him so he he was like bring it on bitch and uh and so i'm (laughs) i'm the the shepherd there that that had to stab him and it was kind of a sharp claw. It's like it's like a carbon fiber thing. It's not gonna hurt him, but it's still, you know, it's like a seventy-year-old man who I love dearly, and I have to sit here and kind of with this helmet on, swing the claw and aim for his armpit. So that was kind of a stressful day again with a very small, like no, <laughs> no crew uh, moment. But that, that it was a ton of fun. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, Jeremy is like, you know, I say he's he's sort of like the MVP of these movies, and I think especially part three. Um, I remember trying to tell everybody, you know, in, in production that like, yes, we need to fly this guy. We can't just use, you know, a local guy to play Trent. Um, I know it it ended up being some really good, talented local suit performers, but they didn't kind of understand until then the first day when he got in the suit and he's in the cockpit and he's with Lindsay and it was there, you kind of see this magic trick in real time. And everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, okay, uh, I get it now." And and he's forever going to be known for this role in this film. Like, uh, <laughs> I had uh, Ian White on the show uh, a while back, and he was, a, you know, he was. Uh, yeah, a I, I I met Ian White. I mean, I I, I that was the first. I, he he did AVP two, yeah. and um, he was a really nice guy, really tall, uh, a man, and when. <laughs> but when he came out of the trailer dressed as the predator for the first time, I'll never forget it. I mean, it was like I saw the laser, uh, the, the 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 three laser dots on the ground, the Vancouver like leaves, and they traveled up the my whole body up to my chest, and oh, I looked up what? and there he was. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and he all, just, I give he, he looked like a real predator in that movie too. Yeah. I mean, I, that is the best part of that movie is him and that suit. Um, that yeah. they did a great job on. So, yeah, no, um, but he's he's definitely forever the predator to me, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I had Daniel Cudmore on the show as well. Uh, he did work on that. Uh, yes film. so he uh, he was um he was colossus in the in the yeah. early uh yeah. in this in X-Men. in the X-Men movie. Yeah, and no, he, had... he did work. He was a really good like um fighting predator. So like a lot mm. of that end fight on the rooftop in AVP two, um, you know, he, he did a lot of that cause he was, yeah. you know, Ian's just so big and he's got the presence, yeah. but he's, you know, um, Daniel is, is a really athletic yeah. fighter. Yeah. And then I had uh, Brian, a Prince that was a predator in, uh, the predator, you know, the most recent one with, uh, Thomas Jane that was been on on the show. I'm a bit obsessed with the pre- the Predator because I think it's an awesome character. And yes, uh, but um, with your your creatures in your films, um, you know, have you kept anything from the movies? Where are they now? Are they hanging up in a give you, small cupboard? Give me a little little thing right here. Oh, what? <laughs> This was a very sweet thing that the the Fido um, from Crete FX in um, out of Spain did for me because they made all these pilot skulls 
from part three. And uh, he had kind of the whole, and so th this one I think is, is just a neat thing that I have up on my dresser. Um, oh. And I didn't realize they had all signed it until I opened it up. And, uh, <laughs> and so that, that, that made me feel really good. Uh, and I have both, um, I have both of the, the power claws in my attic, which I have to get a proper uh, display for them set up. What? But um, uh, yeah, I, I kept the first one in um, as well. And uh, I ended up just bringing it to Lithuania when we were filming it because it wasn't in the movie. And it was just kind of like because I knew they needed to make a new one. It's like, here's the old one. And then at the very end, when we were feeling like the end fight with Rose and the matriarch needed this extra oomph. Um, it was just like the, 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 that morning, the night before it was like, she's going to pick up Trent's claw and it's going to morph on. And, and it's the old, you know, Frank and eco power claw. And uh, I remember pitching that to Lindsay and she was like, ah, yes, perfect. You did it. So <laughs> that was a great feeling. And I, I was very happy that I brought it. And so I definitely will bring it, uh, you know, if to any any skyline production i'm gonna i'm gonna fly in with those claws that is just awesome. in case and do you know what if you ever need funding for the fourth film literally the market for movie props and costumes is unbelievable it really, really? is oh yeah there's collectors <laughs> out there i mean i collect film props so i've got an original crystal from the superman movie uh, oh, wow. that's all boxed and and i've got um stuff from serenity and firefly and and uh, original scripts so i i collect scripts from films so i've got like scripts from superman and and that, that was used by the cast and crew and and uh yeah you'll be you'll be amazed on on honestly so if you ever want to get rid of them let me know uh please let me be the first person to uh give them a good home uh for the right price <laughs> that that's how I felt when I was watching the um, them tear the sets down for for oh. three because I was just like this spaceship and they're just like I'm like like what are you gonna do with this and it was just you know it's just yeah. going it's kind of like yeah. they're, they 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 put it kind of underneath the studio and they reuse bits of it uh, mm. which is where we grab stuff because Chernobyl had shot there before us and so there's all these yeah. kind of broken up bits of like nuclear uh, you know reactor. Uh, consoles and stuff so we grab that and put it in our spaceship and that's why it's like got a weird soviet feel to everything awesome. uh, so it's like <laughs> yeah you got to reuse it's indie filmmaking so i'm sure like someone else is is gonna then reuse our spaceship thing for something else it's just it, it's the way it works so that th that part's cool but um but yeah there is that like oh wh what's going on with this we we basically put our suits you know the wood coffins and store them in between the movies and then like we took them out of the coffin for uh for three and we refurbished them and we redid everything and we they still worked again so i don't know if that's going to last for a part four but we'll probably try it you never know you never know and then looking back at when skyline was released in 2010 was you quite um reserved in in um releasing skylines during the pandemic or was it a case of you had to because of you know the deal you you had with this this distribution or you know would you have waited like uh james james bond has waited like a year and a half and keep on they keep on change changing it every month the release to day. be honest with you I, I wish we had come out sooner um but the movie wasn't done but like mm. i i felt like if we had come out and any time from like August to October, um, we would have kind of been the only movie like that on the block. And mm -hmm. um, unfortunately for us, it was like every movie that was supposed to come out in September, like a monster hunter. And I think Greenland was supposed to be November. Everybody just saved it for the big kind of Christmas, um, you know, release where there's so yeah. much money in VOD. Uh, but the market was really swamped. I mean, there was there was like something like 19 movies that came out the same weekend we did. So that was frustrating because I felt like we were really unique and we were had uh, a little bit more of like the the spectacle that people were missing, frankly, for most of 2020. You know, like I kept looking at the the release dates and I was like, there hasn't been anything that's like kind of like this sci-fi monster space thing. The, the 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 last thing that you could even think similar to it was uh you know 
Rise of Skywalker in Christmas 2019. So, but then Bison would come out the month before. Um, you had Monster Hunter, which, uh, and then you had like the Breach with Bruce Willis. And so I, I was a little bit like, ah, I felt like uh, you know the release date got a little too crowded. So, um, yeah, I, I, but n- nothing like James Bond. Like we're we're primarily a VOD movie. You know, we do like mm. the the week um in theater release but that where the this movie really makes its its money is uh you know in in the vod and then the blu-ray and dvd corridor then before going on to you know streaming um so yeah i i again it it all was like is the only way that it was going to work out and that our original date was always the christmas date because that's what beyond's date was but the difference being with beyond is that like we came out the same day as the last Jedi. And so everybody just like was steered away from that date. Um, <laughs> and, you know what? You're not, you're not having any so luck with dates, are you? <laughs> the fact, no, I, it was actually perfect because, you know, we're getting the VOD people. They're like, oh, I wish I could go to oh, see Star to, yeah. Wars, but it's sold out. So this is this new sci-fi on VOD. So there, it was a lot less crowded in the VOD market in 2017 than this pandemic one. I mean, then you even had like the week afterwards, you know, Wonder Woman was free on HBO Max. It was just like a really, really swamped December. Um, mm. So yeah, that, 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 but that was the, that was always the the schedule and the plan that we were supposed to release on. So there wasn't any discussion about doing it any other way. So I've got a few more questions before I let you get on with the rest of your day because I know you're a very busy man. Um, so these are, are quite bizarre questions, but I want to ask you them. Uh, do you believe do in it. aliens? Do you actually believe in aliens? I do, but I'm very, very skeptical about any Earth, any of that type of stuff. So my wife is always makes fun of me because she believes and like it very much believes the conspiracy theories yeah i just seem to be of the 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 fact that like if if they exist and like someone told like donald trump and boris johnson like i just don't think we wouldn't know by now and it wouldn't be a bigger thing i just feel like there's too much stupidity and incompetence at the top levels of our governments that um, <laughs> they're staying away that <laughs> i'm just like i don't know it, it, yeah it, it that part of it feels like it's also like they're kind of saying now they're just releasing this stuff they're saying yeah this is a ufo that's a ufo they're they're they are definitely getting a little bit more out with it but um i just remain uh skeptical until the end uh as far <laughs> as anything that's actually happened but absolutely believe that they exist and that uh you know that the universe is just far too vast and infinite to have uh only you know this the the the, us on this small little blue planet doesn't make any sense so yeah yeah, i'm just kind of like on both sides it's like absolutely believe very skeptical you see my wife uh believes in aliens because she says octopuses are aliens because apparently they've got alien dna yes Uh, no exactly i I think it's hilarious I, yeah, no, I, it's funny. I, I had a project that was like that. It was like Alien Ark, and it was about kind of, you know, cryptozoologists and the fact that, like, yes, there there already is alien DNA on Earth. So, um, again, yeah, I completely agree with that as well. I mean, we are kind of aliens ourselves. It, 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 it yeah. makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. wh- what do we really have in common with the rest of the nature on this planet? We obviously are always trying to, like, create a different environment than the one that's been given to us definitely definitely and the next question do you feel being a director makes you a better parent uh i think it's more the the uh inverse of being a parent makes you a better director um i think i think uh you know there's a lot of mouths to feed on a set and um there's a lot of different types of people um that that require different um approaches and you know that you you if you if you've dealt with uh, a cranky toddler and then you know like uh, now i'm getting my oldest is 11 so i'm getting into the like teenagers with attitude i think all that experience and realizing that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for people (laughs) 
and um and that it's a lot of uh, you know meeting people's needs and providing them with secure and so i think i think being a parent is great experience for being a, a good director and, and a good collaborator in general uh, i'm not sure if the if being a director makes you a good parent because uh we just it, it it takes so much damn time away from actually doing your job as a parent so i would say it's the opposite it's the inverse okay. and and you've <laughs> named you've named one of your litter uh trent uh is that after the character absolutely yeah um good man oh, yeah i like to hear that my my oldest Ronin is in the first movie. He's this little baby on the plane at the beginning of Skyline. Um, my second Ruby plays Young Rose in one tiny little shot at the end of Beyond. It was another one of those pickups that we needed for to make a transition into Lindsay's yeah. reveal. Um, Pearl has not made uh, any appearance in it, but I do feel like Pearl is a lot like Rose. Uh, both Ruby and Pearl were a lot of the you know not only just inspiration, but also like who I wanted to make the movie for. And they both really loved part three and they're too young to watch an R rated movie, but I showed <laughs> it to them anyway. Uh, and they, they really loved Rose and they really loved Trent, especially the fact that, Oh my God, this alien's named our, after our brother. I'm like, actually he's named after the alien. Uh, so they, they love that aspect of it as well. And yeah, let, let's see how Trent feels about it. Once he's able to uh, speak uh, in a few years, but yeah, he's six months. <laughs> you see, I've got two daughters, uh, seven and three, and um, my oldest is called Lois after Lois Lane, oh, and my younger beautiful. one's Kara after Supergirl. So uh, the, the, we just watched uh, the we just watched Superman and Lois last oh, night as a family, and we. I, really I haven't watched it. it. I haven't watched it yeah. because it's not in the UK. It's not in the UK, and I'm absolutely gutted. So I've got to wait. And I met Tyler in Bitsy uh, a while back, and I'm 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 dying to watch it. I really am. They Was spent it good? they spent some money on that pilot. Yeah, like the VFX yeah. I thought looked really good. Um, I had never seen him as as Superman before, um, and so but he looked like really good, really big, and it felt yeah. like they got the character. You know, it was. And it's it's a nice approach to see him with teenage sons. It was just something mm. different that you know we haven't um, gone through before. Um, but yeah, the whole family really enjoyed it. It's going to be the new family show. So excellent, good to hear. And <laughs> in person, he, he's, he's he's quite a small guy in person. He's quite short. There's a and there's a little bit of that, but uh, they they feel like when he's in the suit, they kind of film him differently. You know, he's got he just looked bigger. Than, yeah. than he did on some of the, the Supergirl stuff that I had seen. Yeah, so fingers crossed it will come over to the UK soon. So uh, Because it's, 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 it's annoying. It's When you see spoilers on the internet, because the internet is such a good thing, then can be a bad thing at yeah. the same time. Um, I think spoilers are just awful. Um, and as Brits, we get forgotten about all the time. We really do. Uh, but it's great that you know everyone can see Skylines, which is That's out right. on DVD and uh, Blu-ray, uh, and is coming to Netflix on the 18th of March. If I'm right, right, right in saying yes. that. Yes. Um, one last thing um, on IMDb, um, I always look at the trivia part of whoever I'm interviewing. And it, it makes me laugh when there's only like one or two things. So we need to we need to sort that out, Liam, and we need to come oh. up with some great trivia about okay. you. Because currently on your IMDB, it just says nephew of Lawrence. So that's right. You know, you're a you're a, a soccer dad uh, or coach, should I say? Yes. Which I, th I think is very brave of you because I've been to <laughs> soccer games in the US, you know, like school so soccer games because I've got relatives in, in the States. Uh -huh. And uh, it's the scariest environment to be in, especially with all the mums sat at the edge of the pitch in their chairs uh, with their books. And if it's slightly raining, they, they bring like a PVC sort of hut uh -huh. that uh -huh. they can sit in. Uh, yeah, the so four up, very, yeah. Yeah, so I think that should be on your IMDb. You used to play American football, uh -huh. um, which I did myself in the UK. I was wow. a defensive tackle. 
So um, oh. absolutely loved it. And I've been to see the, uh, a lot of football games in the States, in Baltimore and Washington um, and Philadelphia Eagles as well, but mainly on the East, East Coast, not the West Coast. But, but wow. yeah, so That's awesome. we need to get that on there for you. You need to, whoever yeah, you, you know, need I, to speak I, to, have some more things on there. Oh no, I, 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 I yeah, I, I think I when I was like first starting out, I would add my own trivia up there, and it was like all this little stuff. And then you're, I think I was like, uh, I think I could take that off now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was a big deal just to get your the IMDb, you know, credit when yeah. starting out. It was like I'm a real boy. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe I could update that. I like that. <laughs> soccer, soccer dad slash coach. Um, but uh, the yeah, other coaches very... would be like, "You're not a real coach." I'm like, "Yeah, I basically like run and get the balls." Like, uh, you know, I, 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 the only thing I feel like I'm pretty good at, and maybe this is the directing thing, is that like, there's all these coaches that have all the fundamentals down lineups i i don't know why it's hard for them to realize that like you need a playmaker on the two different levels of the you can't put like they, they'll put their two best players like on defense next to each other and i'm like who's he gonna pass to how's it gonna get up the field like all you're, the kids you would be at the front of the, field, the director you have been the director yeah, of the football game the ball. the ball we just we're just launching the ball down the field and then they're coming back at us the whole goddamn half what are you doing so yeah that I, to me it's just like it, it's all about the lineups the rest of it you can't really do much as a coach in, in soccer. yeah but but the funny thing is the games that i've been to because we're british we scream and yell and we're quite vocal and all these americans are looking at us going oh dear <laughs> you know yes who are they yeah. and we're like come yeah. on take him down you can always you know? tell which dads like know what they're doing and they're 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 screaming but like yeah they'll get like a quiet talking to from the ayso <laughs> like reps that they'll take you aside if you're too loud i remember getting really upset about an offside call we were down by like five goals and it's like dude can you just give us the goddamn goal so the kids don't cry at at, at halftime they're seven years old and it's like no <laughs> offsides oh uh, give anyway. them a break you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah. seven yeah, it's yeah. not like yeah premier league you know right but, but it was a but close Liam. call it's a 50 50 call <laughs> ah, i don't know um, but liam thank you so much for giving me your time i I've, I've had a blast chatting with you and i've got to say uh you know everything that you do is fantastic the films that you you direct write and produce are just outstanding and um it's a pity there's not more films like that out there so you must be doing something incredible uh not only from the visual side side of things but the story as well and i look forward to the fourth one in the you know the installment uh coming um yeah but thank you so much yeah fingers crossed and um so the 18th of march netflix it's available now on blu-ray and dvd uh stop messing about buy buy the uh the film support the franchise and uh, we'll get the fourth one very very soon liam Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. It was it was a blast. Anytime. Happy to be here. You've been listening to Be More Super the Podcast. It was kind of a crazy fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. My world and me talk.